The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and visual teachings, visit mountainpark.org. Welcome once again, everybody. So glad that you're here. Uh, my name is Alan, and uh, so glad that you've um, chosen to worship with us here today. I want to start off with an impression. I don't do impressions very much, so I want to start off with them. Ready? Okay, this, I'm going to start off with an impression. Uh, 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 uh. The yeah, the Atlanta Falcons. Okay, you got that. So, so, so let me just say that that was an unbelievable game. And I know from our little straw vote last week, we were all cheering for Atlanta. Most of us were. Some of you are thrilled, you know, with with New England. But some of most of us were cheering for Atlanta, and some of you. We're seriously cheering for Atlanta, and this has been a rough week, and you, you want to see God here this morning. I get that, <laughs> completely get that, and, and, and appreciate that, but that's not what you're here for. You're not here to talk about football. You, we gather here in this place uh, to learn about God, to learn more about what a relationship with God can look like, uh, etc. And what we're doing this year is we are going after this theme of something new, that we see throughout Scripture that there's an invitation, a beautiful invitation that God has for us to experience something new. God is doing something new in our church here this year that we are celebrating together, and the invitation is for you to think about how God wants to do something new in your life, for you to try something new, for you to be a part of something new. Well, along those lines, I want to introduce to you something new here at Mountain Park. Uh, another new staff. I want to introduce a, uh, a new pastor named uh, Jan Van Amerongen. I've worked for a month on that, uh, pronouncing the name, but uh, Jan Am- uh, Van Amerongen is our new family pastor overseeing children's and students and marriage and parenting, and that it's a large area there, and we are thrilled to have him here, and I want you to meet him, so would you please welcome Jan. Come on up. Good, 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 good. Now, hey, good job on the name. Did I get it right? You got it good. right. That's okay, awesome. good, good, good. Whew, man. The message I'm fine with, it's the name that I was worried about this morning. So, so, uh, so we have a long-standing tradition here at Mountain Park that when we introduce a new pastor, we do a little competition with me on Sunday morning. It's, it goes back uh, to last week. So that's, that's how far this goes back. I, I thought Ray was very kind to let you in last week. He was kind. Just keep in mind. Uh, and so, so Jan has a significant theater background. So we thought it would be fun to do a little theater sports. Fun, but unfair, uh, to do a little theater game. And so we're going to do a game uh, that's, I think it's called the object game. Is that what? Is I that, think so. Okay. Well, the name doesn't really matter. The idea is that we are going to get an object that we've never seen before. I believe Heather has the object. And that we're going to go back and forth and see if we can use that object um, in a creative way. And whoever gets stumped first um, will uh, will lose the game. So this is just kind of a warm-up, right? Okay, great. You're all good? I okay. haven't done this in years. Okay, so. <laughs> neither have I. So, okay, what's the object? Oh, goodness Okay. Gracious. Awesome. All right, who's first? Oh, yeah, we'll put it here. Okay. I'll go first. You go first. Come here. Now, little Al, when we get in the pool, we always need to wear our floaties. Nice. Thank Jump. you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Hey, uh, welcome. Welcome to, to Phoenix. You have to be a little bit careful with the snakes. Um, but uh, but uh, you don't have to worry about them. They're not that venomous. You just take them right off and it's good. Okay. All right. Clear. Nice, 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 nice. My wife got it for me. What do you think? I think it goes with what I'm, what I'm wearing. Yes. I can't bear it, Sam. It's too heavy. Behold the eye of Sauron. The eye? Oh, my goodness. Ah, okay. I know it's a little bit weird, but it makes my arms stronger. It's this new prosthetic uh, concept here. Uh, Oh, nice. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. Luke, I am your father. Okay. Yeehaw, get him up. Man. Okay, we better better stop before we hurt somebody there. Okay, okay. Nice job. Nice job. Man. Nice job. I, I guess we, we can't say no audience members were harmed. In no, no, no. Uh, we do have a, a lawyer you can contact if something happened. Ever. So, uh, Jan, we're so excited uh, that you're here. Uh, so excited that you're on staff. So, so um, I said that you have a drama background, et cetera, mm-hmm. but can you... Introduce yourself, introduce your sure. family, let us uh, get a glimpse of who you are. Sure, yeah. So my name's Jan, and we got a picture of my family, I think. Uh, my wife, Lindsay, and I have been married for 13 years. We have five kids. Five kids. And they are awesome. We have a 12-year-old named Abby, and a 10-year-old named Luke, an 8-year-old named Joel, a 5-year-old named Ezra, and uh, our... Uh, Last, uh, Salem is three. And so we just kind of tried to double the children's ministry population yes. when, we, when we came. But uh, yeah, my background uh, for a long time, there you see my family up there. They're awesome. And uh, I started my career doing theater. And my wife, she started, that's where we met uh, before God transitioned us to ministry. So we're, we're excited to be here. Outstanding. Okay. So, uh, so tell us about why, why would you want to be a pastor? What was the journey that led <laughs> that's you a good question. <laughs> to be a pastor? Yeah, yeah no, that's a, that's a great question. Um, and it's a question people have asked me, and it, sometimes it's hard to answer. And um, in, in, in looking back over, over my journey, one of the observations that occurs to me is that um, becoming a pastor wasn't something I decided to do as much as it was something God did in me. That, that from the beginning when I first came to know the Lord, and, and I, I was raised in an a atheist home, um, not believing in the Lord at all, and when I, when I came to, to Christ as an adult, I was just so overwhelmed by his grace and his mercy and his holiness and his majesty and his power and what he'd done in my life. I couldn't imagine anything um, more meaningful for me, more fun for me than getting to know him better and helping other people know him and, and, and walk out their faith in him and, and introducing people to him. And, and I created this, uh, developed this passion for theology and apologetics and, and all of these things. And now, you know, I'll pause there for a second and say that, you know, wanting to know the Lord more and wanting other people to know him is, is not unique to pastors, right? Like, that's something that hopefully everyone here all has that passion that, that if we're followers of Jesus, we want to grow in that, want others to know him. Uh, but for me, as I began to walk out 
um, just this heart that God had given me, whether it was in theater trying to start Bible studies, which is unique when you're trying to start Bible studies in theater world, or, or prayer groups, or worship groups, or whatever the case may be, or just going to the church and asking questions, God began to uh, open up possibilities to um, express that heart in the context of, of full-time ministry. And um, one big part of that was I began to discover a real love and a passion for the church, um, which is, I, I've discovered, not necessarily normal, right? Because the church is, is messy and imperfect, and there's all these things that happen in the church, and it's easy for people to, to get... Um, uh, what's the word, dis, dis, disenchanted yeah. um, by the church. And I find that there's a lot of folks, even who've gone through um, seminary and whatnot, who like are kind of sort of friends with the church or kind of sort of dating the church, but yeah. haven't really jumped in and embraced the church. And I, I found for me a, a real love for the church to become everything God wanted it to be and intends it to be. And I believe very much that the church is, can be and should be an incredibly powerful force, powerful force for the kingdom of God. And I, want to, I can't think of anything I'd rather do with my day than help that happen. Okay. Okay. So uh, family pastor. Family pastor. Is, was it always family or what, what, what's the connection and drive towards family ministry? Yeah. Well, some of that, um, you, know, you know, it wasn't always family. That's, that's the avenue that God opened up for me. But um, growing up in a home that didn't know the Lord was, was, and then marrying a, a wife who grew up in, in a home uh, where her father and her mom really took their role as spiritual leaders seriously. And, and, um, and even just this weekend, we heard her father passed away and we were celebrating and, 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 and watching her siblings argue about the memorial service and they're arguing about which scripture was most important to their dad, mm. you know, and, and just say, man, that's, that's what I want. And you know, I, I believe that's, that's like good family argument. That's perfect. Stuff. Like yeah, if yeah. I want my family to argue about anything, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. um, but there's, there's really two, two reasons for the family focus for me. One is that I, I believe that raising up the next generation of Christ followers is a primary mission of the church. And, and I think that a lot of times when you talk about the mission of the church, people think in terms of almost exclusively in terms of adults. When you talk to people, like, well, you know, what's your church? What's the mission of your church? Well, we're going to do this community outreach. We're going to go this mission trip. And all those things are great. But biblically and scripturally, we have this responsibility to raise up the next set of pastors and leaders and, and, and volunteers and just everyday people who are going to live out the light of Christ um, in their families and in their, and in their lives. And so um, I think that's an important part of the mission of the church. And then the second part of it, which partners with that, is that I, I am 100% convinced that God designed the family to be the primary place where we experience the love and truth of Jesus. That's just the way he designed it. Now, that's not to say, I mean, I didn't grow up in that home, and I still ended up being a follower of Jesus. God can do that, but that's his design. And I just realized I'm looking over here and not over here very much, so. That's all right. I'm looking hey, over here. everybody, over here. I'm looking over here, so I got that. Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> so, um, but that, that God designed the primary place to be, the God designed the family to be the primary place where, where not only kids, but adults, right? That if, if my wife wants to know how much God loves her, she shouldn't have to go to church. She should be able to come to me. She should see it in me and, and our kids. If they want to know who Jesus is and what it means to follow him, they should see that in our home. And, and there's, there's some, and, and I think that vision for the family uh, sometimes gets lost, uh, there are some people who, who get it and they embrace it and they're doing it. And there's some people who say, man, I, I see that, but I don't know how to do it. I, I don't even know what that looks like for me. I didn't grow up with that. I don't know how to help my kids or, or, or be that way to my wife. And there's some people who, um, 
you know, who don't have that vision, and then there's some folks who are, you know, not believers and don't know the Lord, and, and, and they're, they have no roadmap for their families. They're, they're trying to, to do the best they can with their families, but they don't understand the way the family was, was designed. And it's really interesting because there's, they've done all these big longitudinal studies uh, on what is the primary factor in whether or not a child uh, sort of personalizes the faith of their parents, right? And, and you'd think it's this really complicated thing, but it's this really, really simple thing. Um, that and, and they did this 30-year study, and there's other ones, and, and they all come back to this one factor, which is more so than anything else, whether or not you have frequent, open, faith-based conversations at home is the number one determining factor in whether or not your kids um, personalize the faith that you're, that, of their parents. And it's this really simple thing, like, mm-hmm. talk about it. Like, that's all it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really passionate about enabling those faith-based conversations to happen um, between spouses and between uh, parents and kids and between grandparents and kids and from kids to kids and, and, and all of that. And so like the Etched event, which is a really great opportunity, you know, when, when we heard about it saying, okay, how do we leverage that? So there's not just an event where we come to the building, but where families can actually have conversations. So today your youth and your kids are all getting invitations. Um, and they're being told, hey, you're supposed to take these invitations home and pray with your mom and dad and say, who are we going to invite to church? Mm-hmm. Who do we want to intentionally bring to Mountain Park? And so that you'll get a chance to pray about that as a family, fill those invitations out. And then when you guys come to the Etched event, we have, I'm not going to give it away, but we have a very special, unique activity for families to do together to help you as a family pray for those folks throughout the upcoming months. Yeah, and the idea is that, that we as parents or grandparents, we don't need to have all the answers. We don't need to be, right. be the experts, but that we create an environment where those conversations happen. As we're figuring out our faith, we invite our family into that, and we all grow together on it. Yeah, and, and actually, sometimes I don't know is the most powerful answer yeah. you as a parent can give, yeah. as long as the next, next statement is, but let's find out together. Right, right. You know, I don't know. Let's find out together. Right. Uh, beautiful thing. Okay, so you uh, passionate about family ministry? Why? Why family pastor at Mountain Park? I have no idea. No, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, truth, I just heard they had this amazing senior pastor who yeah. was just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, you you should have looked more deeply into that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to ask you to introduce me to him. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> why are you clapping? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> all right, well, it was nice talking with you. <laughs> He's going to be introducing the next family pastor next week. Um, no, I, you know, I do believe, based on our conversation, I mean, a lot of it really, and I, I make jokes about it, but really in talking, about, talking to Alan through the interview process, really believing and feeling that Mountain Park is uniquely positioned to impact families in the community for the kingdom of God, and, and that there's, there's a positioning that's happening, and there's also a, a leadership commitment to um, really ministering to families, families inside the church, outside the church, and helping them to discover who they are in Jesus and, and realizing their role. And then there's, I've even seen that commitment when my wife and I visited, and we, we see these volunteers who are taking the time to get down on their knees and, and speak to kids and greet us, and we were super impressed by the way the people of Mountain Park that we saw were manifesting the kingdom of God in their everyday relation. My wife had some great experiences just at the newcomers class, you know, seeing God work yeah. in, in, a, in, a, in a powerful way there. And I think that another thing that, and, and this might get me a little bit, a little bit in trouble, <laughs> is that, if I'm not in enough trouble as it is, um, is that I think there's also people here 
who um, are, are followers of Jesus, but they haven't taken that next step to say, hey, my business, my family, it all belongs to you, Lord, I'm, I'm ready. Um, and I think watching those people take that next step is going to be phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, and I'm excited to see that happen. Right. It's an exciting season for us as a church, and we're glad you're here. Hey, glad we want to pray with you. Lindsay, would you come on up here? I want to let you meet Lindsay as well. Yay. Would you, would you bow your heads with me? We want to pray for, for them as they start off their, uh, their, their uh, journey here. God, we are so thankful uh, for the Van Amerongen family. Um, God, this is a difficult time for uh, Lindsay and her family with the loss of, of her dear father. And so uh, we want to come around them. I know this is a, this is, it's difficult to, to make a move to a different state and get started. And so, God, I pray that you would be incredibly close to them that we would be your hands and your feet here as their new church, that we would love them and embrace them, and that we would be excited about what uh, you're doing in their lives and the impact that they'll have on us, our church, and our community. We pray for them. Bless them in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank right. you. Well, let me uh, turn the corner a little bit and uh, uh, jump into the message for today and just ask you have, you, ever, have you ever looked at life, maybe stayed awake at night or during a long drive, and just asked yourself, what's the point? I mean, I just, I just kind of looked at the whole journey and said, what, 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 what am I doing? Why am I waking up every morning at that hour when I really just want to sleep? I want to see, I want to maybe meet the day in the next hour. <laughs> uh, do you ever wonder about, you know, what, why did I spend 16 years on education in order to get that piece of paper to tell a few people that I went to a bunch of education? Do you ever wonder why you spend all that time at work? And just, just kind of what's the point sometimes at work when you're uh, creating widgets or you are filing information or you are helping somebody else to become filthy rich or whatever the journey might be for you? You ever look at your marriage and think, what, 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 why are we working so hard on this? You ever look at your kids and, 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 and the, the pouring out into your children, how that all works, and sometimes it kind of feels futile and think, well, what's, what, inevitably what's, what's likely going to happen is my kids are going to move on and then they're going to feel guilty about not calling me, and so, so what, what does that journey look like? Have you ever just kind of looked at it and thought, what's, what's the point? Aren't you glad you came uh, today? I mean, that's a real uplifting, you know, this is, this is happy time uh, here at Mountain Park here today. <laughs> if you've ever kind of had those thoughts, if they have ever kind of bounced around in your head, then you're not alone. There was a, a writer a number of years ago, many, many, many years ago, who said, there is nothing new under the sun. What a, what a terrible thing to say. What, a, what, a, what kind of idiot said that? Well, many of you know it was, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Solomon, the wisest human being to have ever lived, says there's nothing new under the sun. And so how, how does that work? How does that fit how, how, does, how does that all connect? And so, so if you can relate to that concept of there's nothing new, then you are not alone. That phrase is found in a book in the Old Testament called Ecclesiastes. This book is gloomy. It is cynical. It is irreverent at times. Some of you would love it. 
It is found in that book, but it's a very honest reflection from this very wise man as he reflected on his life. I want to take a look at 10 verses from Ecclesiastes, beginning at the beginning of chapter 1. And just see, maybe some of these words are new for you, and see if you can relate to any of it. Solomon begins, the words of the teacher, son of David. Last week we talked about uh, David and the writing of the book of Psalms. This is Solomon, David's son, king in Jerusalem. Verse 2, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. It's this thought of, of, of this man at one point pausing and saying, what's the point? He continues, What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Why am I spending all of these hours doing this? Why am I filling such a high percentage of my life doing this? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. Each and every one of us here in this room, we're going to die. And then there's a generation that's going to come behind us that's going to make the same mistakes that we've made. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full to the place the streams come from. There they return again. The sun, the wind, the water... They, they don't go anywhere. They just kind of continue to do their things. In fact, there's nothing new in nature that we discover new species, but there, there, there are no new species that God has created. God has created everything, and we are just kind of discovering what God created long, long ago. Can you relate to the writer's beginning here in this chapter? Can you relate to some of these thoughts? Happy time here at Mountain Park. And he continues in verse 8. He says, All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. The eye can't see enough. Our ears can't hear enough. We human beings, we spend our lives looking for and listening for meaning. We spend our lives, we're walking around trying to fill up this tank, trying to answer this question, looking for, listening to, trying to find meaning. And every generation since the beginning of time has had more things to look at and more things to listen to on this journey of trying to figure out what is the meaning of life. That's why... uh, in the 20th century, the television was such an enormous invention because it brought into our living rooms so many new things to look at and to listen to. That in our living rooms, we could see the, the, the plains of Africa. We could see what's happening in China and in the Middle East. We could see things on our screen. We could hear the London Symphony Orchestra and watch them play. We could hear a concert, an Elvis concert or whatever, uh, on the television. When I was a kid, you know, you know it's a terrible sermon when it includes a sentence that says, when I was a kid. 
But when I was a kid, television was different. I know many of you can relate to this, that, that when I was younger, the, the VCR was just, just starting to, to be discovered. And so, so we had you know, three television uh, stations, and so you could watch those. And you were at the mercy of whatever they showed. That's what you would watch. And you could record it perhaps sometimes and, record, and watch it later. But maybe once a year they would have a special called TV's Bloopers and Practical Jokes. And it was this special, it wasn't a regular show, it just came on every once in a while, and if you could record it or catch it, it was tremendous, or America's Funniest Videos. And wow, that was just so amazing, it was so, so great to see this, it was so unique, and you couldn't look at it or hear it very often. But now, I mean, we have access to looking at and seeing a nearly infinite amount of things in our quest to find meaning. Let me give you an example. Here is a life-changing, quote, life-changing video that I'm sure many of you have already seen. Check this out. P-P-A-P. that? How many have seen that? Six of you. Okay, the rest of you are going, where am I? I, can, I totally get it. I had to become aware of this video through my kids because they were doing Apple Pan. I'm like, what are you talking about? I said, Dad, you got to come see this. And so, so I, I said to Chris Taylor, who's our, who does our video stuff here, and I sent him a clip. And just, just this shows how much I love you that I said, just start here and end here because it's a six-minute clip, so I didn't want to show the whole thing, but, but just show a little bit of it, and I said, hey, we want to show this on Sunday. He responded, his email said, request denied. <laughs> that, that was Chris's response to me. This video is just one of many examples that are bouncing around on YouTube that people are throwing and watching all that. You know how many times that video's been seen? 44 million times. Apple pen. 44 million times. That's more than the population of Canada. This is, this is unbelievable that human beings are looking for and listening for something to grab onto, something to hang onto, something to give meaning to life. And Solomon understood this so many years ago. The eyes cannot see, the ears cannot hear enough to fill this out, to answer this question. And then the writer continues in the, in the verse that is kind of central to what I'm talking about here today. Verse 9, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There's nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It was here already long ago. It was here, it was, it was here already long ago. It was here before our time. Well, how does that fit with the title, with the whole concept for this year? 
It says there's nothing new. How does this idea of there's nothing new under the sun? When this year we're talking about something new and in the weeks so far we've talked about God identifying a new nation and giving that nation a new king and that new king builds a, uh, sets up to build a new temple and has a new song in it and we're going to be talking about in the uh, later, later part of the Old Testament that we get to have a new heart and God gives us a new name and wants to do a new thing in our lives and Jesus comes and brings a new covenant and gives us a new commandment and Paul talks about new life and, and, and new, 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 new. How does that all fit? Every message this year as we're talking about the Something New Journey, every message is titled New Something. New Something, except this one. It's flipped around. Nothing new. How does that fit? I mean, those two seem like two completely different concepts. The book of Ecclesiastes is gloomy, it's cynical, it's irreverent, and it, it really doesn't make any sense unless we understand a very simple and very important premise about the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon is talking about life on earth without God. That the whole premise of Ecclesiastes, every word on there, every concept written up there, is that Solomon is painting a picture of what life looks like or would look like without God, completely apart from God. That whether we are uh, considering uh, times when life is terrible, awful, things are not going well, we look at all of our failures, etc., or we are looking at life when everything is great and everything is successful, either of those places, life without God is meaningless, the writer says. Life without God is meaningless. So let me start here on, on this side, on the side of our failures, our brokenness, our weaknesses, there is nothing new under the sun. That we have a tendency sometimes to, to uh, look down perhaps on the next generation. Those kids, those, they don't understand. They don't have what we had. They, they didn't learn what we learned. Those kids, there's something wrong with them. Yes, there is something wrong with them. There's something wrong with young adults. There's something wrong with 20-somethings. It's the same exact thing that's wrong with you and me. And it's the same thing, whatever age or generation you're in, it's the same thing that was wrong with the generations before us. It's, it, there's nothing new under the sun in terms of our failure and our brokenness. That the details change, the methods change, the circumstances change, but the core issue of human brokenness, it has remained the same. There's nothing new under the sun. That scripture multiple times talks about lists of human core struggles in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Just Paul in the New Testament has six different lists of vices that we have that we experience as human beings. That's the part that is, that is core. And the details around that change, but the, but the core human struggles and problems, they remain the same. You may be familiar with the seven deadly sins. Um, the seven deadly sins, you may have seen the movie. Uh, uh, the, the, these, these sins are not, are not found as a list in Scripture. In the 6th century, there was a summary of a number of these lists, and they created an official list, the seven deadly sins of lust and envy and anger and pride and gluttony and greed and slothfulness. They just identify the six. But, but you take whatever list you want. Take any of Paul's lists. You take, that, you take that list that the core struggle of humanity 
it remains the same. It's, it's, the, it's the methods and the way it's packaged that is different. So let, let's take, for example, let's take communication. The core way that we connect with one another, our communication with one another, the essence of communication has remained the same since the beginning of time. That for me to interact with another human being, I need to be able to listen to that person. I need to, 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 to shut up just for a minute and not think about what I'm about to say, but to actually listen and understand what somebody else is saying. I need to respond in a way that actually helps the problem, assuming there's a, a conflict or some kind of problem we're working on. I need to respond in a way that is helping the problem, not creating another problem. That the essence of communication has remained the same. That when I have information that is nobody's, nobody else's business, I'm not supposed to talk about it with other people. The whole Don't gossip. That's just an essence of communication. Ideas such as uh, needing to pay attention to people that no one else is paying attention to, whether it's that child in your classroom or one of your kids who just seems like, like they, they just need a little extra loving or whatever that journey might be. That whole idea of paying attention to who God may want us to pay a little bit more attention to, the essence of communication has remained the same. The, the, the methods have changed throughout the years, changed dramatically, and they're, they're spiking in terms of their change, that it was the spoken word for so many so many years, and then it moved into the written word and, and, the, and the, the printing press, and, and then the, the development of the computer and the way we would do emails and texts and Instagram and, and all the different ways that we communicate. All, all of those things, they're, they're different, and the generations are different, but the essence of communication has remained the same. There's really, in terms of our, the essence of our failures and our struggles, our core struggles, the, the, the core human struggles are the same. Whatever you're wrestling with, whatever is your vice, whatever is your list of things that, 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 that bring guilt and shame in your journey, that hold you back, the circumstances might be unique to you or, or new or part of technology and it might have to do with the internet, etc. but the core human struggle it remains the same. When it comes to our failures, there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. The same can be said about our successes, that, that there's nothing new under the sun. That one of, one of the things that we in, in this part of the world can be plagued with is this, is this notion of thinking we can just cruise through life without God. Because we, we don't need God for shelter or for food on the table. And so, so we, can, we can embrace this illusion that we can succeed without God. Yet time and time again, story after story, people who are incredibly earthly successful, they just conclude, yeah, but it just, it just, it just doesn't mean anything. It's just, it's just meaningless. In fact, Solomon himself would be in this category. Here's a guy... Based on any level of success, any way that you want to measure success would be at the very top. He was incredibly wise. He was incredibly wealthy. He had all the female relationships uh, he could possibly imagine, literally times a thousand. I mean, this guy uh, was incredibly famous in so many ways. He was so successful, and yet he's the one who writes, all is meaningless. Chasing after the wind, all is meaningless. One of the things that we 
that we strive for in this area of success is, is the idea of invention, that I want to do something no one else has done. I want to, I want to blaze a trail that no one else has done. And that, will, that would make me feel meaningful in my life. But the reality that, that Solomon stirred up thousands of years ago is that the things, that this whole concept of invention, we're not quite as inventive as we think we are, that new things are just new versions of old things in so many ways. I know some of you are creative and you're inventive and you've, you've done some things, but, but essentially at the very core, how much of it is just a repositioning of something that's old? I mean, are the new books, new writings better than the ancient books? Are the new stories better, kind of completely new inventive thing, new art, new music? Or is there a part of this success journey where we are just taking something that, that, uh, that from, from old and we're just kind of moving the pieces around and just making something that, that somewhat looks new, but it's really not. We're not as inventive as we might think we are. Another thing that, that is a, a strive for us in terms of success is the idea of wanting to be remembered. Uh, we, we all, most of us want to have a legacy. When we're at the end of our days, we want to be remembered. But I'm not sure that, that our striving for that is as successful as we would like it to be. I mean, historians have captured some stories of people throughout the centuries, and we know those stories, and they were, they were you know, written down, and we get to share those and know those. But how many millions and millions of people who are just as good, if not better, than some of the stories that we do have, who just came and went, and they're dead, and no, never to be remembered, never to be remembered. Who won the Super Bowl in 2001? Who cares? I mean, nobody knows who won the Super Bowl in 2001. It was within most of our lifetime. Some of you are looking it up. It was the Ravens, settle down. But nobody knows. Nobody cares. It was a terrible Super Bowl, one of the worst Super Bowls ever. Now, last week... That was one of the greatest Super Bowls ever. Greatest comeback, greatest all that kind of stuff. Records are made and all that. But one day, people aren't even going to remember Tom Brady. He's the greatest, arguably the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL. And one day, one generation, one civilization down the road, they're not going to give a rip about Tom Brady. They're not even going to remember Tom Brady. Even the mighty Wayne Gretzky. Someday... No, he'll be remembered. He'll he'll, he'll be remembered. But but the the essential point there is that with our successes, with our earthly successes, when it comes to successes, there's really nothing new under the sun. Remember the premise of the book of Ecclesiastes. The overall premise is that the writer is talking about the meaninglessness of life without God. And what that means is that when when we... pursue, when we get caught up in our failures and our brokenness and and we strive and try to fix this and try to fix that and we have a good day, we have a good month, this whole journey, when we are caught up in all this without God, the core issue of our, 
of our broken heart is not addressed, it is a meaningless journey because there's nothing new under the sun over here. What that means is that without God, our successes are striving to accomplish, to reach, to gain, to improve, etc. All of this stuff is meaningless without God. That where meaning comes from is this place where we say, God, I surrender all to you. It's, it, there's nothing new in terms of our failures, nothing new in terms of our successes. Here's the place where we find something new. How does this all fit with what's happening here? It is meaningless without God. It is in this place where we experience something new, where we understand there is a greater story going on, that the, that the world does not revolve around me, does not revolve around you, but there's a grand story that God is telling in the redemption of all of his people, the hope and the plan for that, and that there is a role that you get to play in that, that it involves your role at home, your role as husband and wife, brother, sister, grandparent, son, child. It involves that. You have a role to play in your family, in your community, in your place of business. That's where the meaning comes from. What this means is that every morning we get to wake up and we get to say, God, this day is yours. This day is yours. I am open to whatever you have planned for me. I set aside my schedule. Here it is. I set aside all of my profound new plans, my inventive, creative plans. I set those aside. God, I invite you to interrupt me today in any way that you want. It means, God, I will not wallow in my failures. I will not be bogged down by the guilt and shame of, of my failures because there's nothing new under the sun in terms of my brokenness. It means, God, I will not spin my wheels striving after the successes of this world because there's nothing new in terms of successes. It means this day, God, I give you my plan. Maybe you don't remember all of those words. But it means starting off your day and just saying, God, just remember the first part of that. I'm yours. Today, what do you have planned for me? What do you have planned for me? What's the point? What's the point of life? It's God and our relationship with him. May we not be bogged down by our failures. May we not be caught up in our striving for success. May we pursue God with every decision, every moment of our days. That, I believe, is the message of Solomon. There is nothing new under the sun on these pieces, but here's where something new happens. The band is going to come up and uh, lead us in a final song. As we head towards that, would you, would you stand? I want to pray with you. God, I love the book of Ecclesiastes. I love that there is just a tone in that book that is completely different from anything else in Scripture, that you have, you have trusted us with that, that you, you're just not concerned about us, about us relating to that so well. And, and the writer's just so honest, God. I pray that these words would, would draw us closer to you, not bring us down in despair, God. We would relate to these thoughts, but that we would connect deeply with you as flowing out of that. God, I pray for any here in this room who are, who are seeking, who are unsure about who you are, unsure about meaning in life, God, would you draw us closer to you, that we would understand the meaninglessness of life without you and that we would embrace you as the, 
as the creator of all, as the one who invites us into our role in your story, God. Help us understand that deeper today, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.